Well, good evening and welcome to this uh, weekly Bible study. And as you know, uh, last week we completed the book of Hebrews. And this evening we're going to commence and start with the book of Job. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Job chapter 1. And uh, we're going to read just the first few verses of Job chapter 1. In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, and five hundred donkeys, and he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, Perhaps my children have sinned, and curse God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Shall we pray before we come to this passage? Father, we thank you again that we have the opportunity to meet together in this unusual way, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Job, and we acknowledge before you that sometimes it appears to be a difficult book for us to understand, but we pray that you will just lead us through it. We come before you in what is, for many, a difficult time as we deal with this COVID virus. And our Father, we see this as being a time of struggle. And Father, we just pray that we might be encouraged and strengthened as we go through this book of Job, as we look at his life and we see the things that happened to him. And our Father, we pray that we might be able to draw from this strength, which is your strength, and the knowledge that you will lead us through these times. And our Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we uh, come to this book of Job, you'll know and you can see that this is a very long book. It is 42 chapters long. It's written in poetry and prose, mostly poetry. Prose is straightforward and it's grammatical. It's a narrative. It's something that we can probably go through verse by verse. Poetry, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to rhyme, but it is rhythmic. And it's very expressive as it speaks of experience and emotion. And that is what this book is about. A great part of the book revolves around a debate between Job and his friends, with the occasional interventions by God. You know, we can all relate to this book because at some time or other, we will all ask the questions, the questions why do the righteous suffer? Where is God when we are in pain? Where is God in times of trouble? Why does God allow evil? Well, the reality of life is that at times the righteous do and will suffer, sometimes more than others. And evil men can prosper. But here's another question. The question is, what makes us think that the righteous should not suffer? 
That's one that we need to think about. What makes, makes us think that the righteous should not suffer? Some of you um, might remember a lady by the name of Martha Goldborn. Now, Martha was one of my Sunday school teachers in the days of Knowsley Gospel Hall. Uh, and when I was very young, she moved. I wasn't sure at the time. I didn't find out later. But she'd actually moved from Knowsley and she'd become one of the original members of Croxteth when the church was first built. And she and her husband worked tirelessly in the gospel. She was a, a wonderful lady, great compassion. One of the other um, youngsters who were in Croxteth at the time was uh, a young girl by the name of Jane Naylor. Now, you'll all know Jane Naylor. That was her maiden name. Her married name was Jane, Jane Davis. And in those days, Jane Davis was just a young skip of a girl who was helping out at the beginning in the early days of Croxteth. Now, back to Martha. In her latter years, one day she was walking to the shops when a speeding stolen car mounted the pavement, pinning Martha to the wall, bringing to her much pain and suffering, the result being that the, the leg had to be amputated. Everybody said at the time, of all people, why did this happen to Martha? Well, Martha's answer was simple. And what Martha said to that was, why shouldn't it happen to me? You see, she never questioned the wisdom of God. She never blamed God for what happened. And she continued to trust God and to praise God and to go through not only that initial pain and suffering, but that which followed as she had to struggle with the artificial leg, an elderly lady. You know, this book is about one man, and it's important that we get to know and understand him. You see, Job is a real person. It's not a made-up story. He's referred to as being a real person in other parts of Scripture. Come with me to Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 12 and 14. And this is what we read there. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. If a country sins against me by being unfaithful, and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its food supply, and send famine upon it, and kill its people and their animals, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they could save only themselves by their righteousness, declares the Sovereign Lord. So there's Job mentioned, and he's mentioned again in Ezekiel in that same chapter, a little bit further down in verse 20. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they could save neither son nor daughter. They would save only themselves by their righteousness. And then we can move from the Old Testament, we can go into the New Testament, we can go to the book of James, and we can read chapter 5, verse 11. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So there he is. This man Job, he is a real person who existed, who lived, who lived through these times. And here, 
uh, I want us to look at three things that we can notice. Three things that we've just referred to that um, are pivotal points in the book of Job. The first one is this. We see and we recognize and we must remember the sovereignty of God. We see who God is. Secondly, we see that the righteous live by faith. You know, we've just finished Hebrews and we've dealt with that in Hebrews chapter 11. The righteous live by faith. Thirdly, we see the grace of God. And in Job, we have a deeply spiritual man, well blessed by God, but one who is about to suffer and to suffer greatly. We will see how he reacted to his suffering. And we will see how he acted during his suffering. And we will eventually see him emerge from his time of suffering. An important thing for us to keep in mind is that Job is not told why he suffered. That's an important point. The questions Job asked are questions that we might ask as we as Christians go through our difficult times. The coronavirus has brought with us death, sorrow, isolation, loneliness, stress, unemployment, financial struggles. Lots of friendships have been broken, relationships have been broken, feelings of confusion and lack of understanding are in some cases an inability to accept the situation. Job will make it clear to us as Christians that we are not immune from these things. He will also show us that on this side of glory, we like Job may never be given the answer to the question, why? We will not only see how Job dealt with his suffering, we will also learn a few lessons from Job's friends about comforting those who are suffering. His friends will make wrong assumptions about the truthful facts, causing them to say the wrong things. Let me just repeat that. We've got to look out for this. His friends will make wrong assumptions about truthful facts, causing them to say the wrong things. Another very important thing to look out for as we go through the book of Job is to see how he prefigures Jesus and his obedience to God as he suffered. Jesus suffered greatly, and through that suffering, he had total obedience to God. As we travel through the 42 chapters of Job, we will need to keep these points in mind in order for us to fully understand what's happening. Many questions will be asked. They will not all be answered. We have to accept the fact that we do not know everything. I want to just share with you a verse from Isaiah, which I think brings this point out. Isaiah 29, verse 16. You turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it? You did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter? You know nothing. 
Well, this is a reminder to us that he, God, is the potter and we are the clay. So let's go into the book of Job, um, an introduction to Job the man. And we find this in the verses we read together, verse 1 through to 5. Verse 1. In the land of us there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. You notice there that we're not told anything about his lineage, his father or his family. We're not sure of the meaning of his name. But we know that his name was Job. We know that he lived in the land of us. Lamentations 4 verse 21 refers to that, as do a couple of other places in scripture. But in Lamentations we read, Rejoice and be glad, daughter Edom, you who live in the land of us. We don't have an exact location, but we know that he didn't live in Israel. That's an important point. We will later hear of the Chaldeans and the Sabians. And they were the people who must have lived local to the land of us. After being told no more than his name, and that he lived in the land of us, we go straight into the important things that we need to know about Job. And this is the most important thing. The most important part of Job is his heart. We read that he was blameless. Now this doesn't mean that he was perfect. In fact, it tells us that he was not perfect. He was a sinner, like all men. But in the eyes of God, he was seen as being blameless. We read as we go through the book that Job knows that he is a sinner. In chapter 13 and verse 26 of Job, he said, For you write down bitter things against me and make me reap the sins of my youth. You see, he knows that he is a sinner. Job 14 verse 16. Surely then you will not count my steps. Surely then you will count my steps, but not keep track of my sins. He knows he's a sinner, but he knows he's a sinner who has been forgiven. And in the eyes of God, Job is a sinner saved by grace. Another thing we read about Job is that he is upright. This is Job in the eyes of his fellow man. You see, he's a man who could be trusted. He was honest. His yes was yes, and his no was no. He was a man of integrity. We're also told that he feared God. Now, this is the fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom. You see, he recognized the sovereignty of God. He knew he was a forgiven sinner in the eyes of God, and he lived a moral life in the sight of God. And we're told that he shunned evil. Well, that means that he walked the straight and narrow way, the straight path. And he knew about staying on that path. He knew about the dangers of wandering off it. And he knew about repentance if he did wander off that path. We also see something of Job's love for his family. Verse 2. He had seven sons and three daughters. Now in scripture, the number seven usually speaks of being complete. We can go to the book of Ruth, Ruth 4 and verse 15. 
Uh, and this is what the women said to Naomi at the birth of Obed. They said, He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him, him birth. See, that means that, that the love that uh, Ruth had for Naomi was seen as being a, a perfect love, a good love, a complete love. And then we go to 1 Samuel 2, verse 5. And this is speaking about Hannah being blessed. Hannah, who had no children, she prayed for a child. The child was born, it was Samuel. And then God continued to bless her. And this is what we read. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has born seven children. There's that number seven again. Job's children were a blessing from God. He had seven sons, and in addition to that, he had three daughters. We're also told about his wealth. Verse 3, the first part of verse 3. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. Now, in those days, wealth was counted in this way rather than money. So this is telling us that Job was a rich man. In the second part of verse 3, and he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. So he treated people with respect, and he was the greatest man among all the peoples of the East. There was none greater than Job. So that's Job the man. Now, in verse 4 and 5, we had a practical example of Job seeing the need for repentance. Verse 4, his sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. What we need to realize here is there's nothing untoward happening here. This is a picture of a happy, loving family gathering together. It seems that when one of the brothers has a special day, probably a birthday, they all get together as a family and they invite their sisters and they celebrate. Now we have no reason to believe that this was no more than a family party. You see, we can read through the book of Job and we know what's going to happen to them. And we also know what did happen to them. But what did happen? What was brought up on them was not a punishment from God. So we need to understand that. This was a family gathering. They weren't being punished because they were doing no wrong. And what Job is about to do next is something that he always did on these occasions. You see, he knows how easy it is to be unintentionally a sinner. You see, Jesus spoke about this when he pointed out that the thought can be enough for the sin to be committed without the action being carried out. Job was young once, and he wanted to protect his family. This is an expression of the love and concern he had for them, a recognition of the fact that he knew his own heart. He knew the forgiving nature of God, and he knew the importance of repentance. This act was also costly for him to do. 
He rose early. He gathered all his children together. And the cost of the animals, one for each of them, the animals were to be sacrificed and burnt offering. And they were expensive. And that cost came out of Job's pocket. No wonder God loved this man when he looked at Job's heart. So in verse 5, this is what we read. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. This wasn't because they had intentionally sinned. This is just because Job understood the heart of man. And these were his young children, and he'd been young once. And it's perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. In this section, we're also going to be given an indicator of the time that Job lived. First, an obvious point to remember is that although this was before the death and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus was there amongst all this because Jesus was there at the beginning. We sometimes forget that. Jesus was there. And in John chapter 8, verse 58, listen to what Jesus said. Verily, verily, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And then we go to Matthew 8, verse 11. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Job were all saved by faith and the righteousness that they received from God was given in the power of the cross which in their lifetime hadn't yet happened, but the power of it was still there. So Job was probably uh, around at the time of what we call the time of the patriarchs, uh, and the time before the promise was given to Abraham. See, after the law was given, no one individual could offer a burnt offering to God without a priest. They wouldn't have been allowed to do that. If they had, the offer wouldn't have been accepted by God. Job, like Abraham, could do this because it was before the law was given, before the priesthood was established. In Genesis 22, verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught in its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So, as Abraham was able to make a burnt offering to God, therefore, Job was at liberty to do this because he must have lived around the time of Abraham, before the captivity in Egypt, before the Exodus, before the law was given, before Israel was a nation, and before Israel went into the Promised Land. In other words, all this would have happened on the timescale of the Bible quite early on in the book of Genesis. As we draw to a close this evening, the conclusion about Job, 
He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Remember that, because we're going to visit that fact again as we go through the book, that Job is blameless, that he is upright. He is a man who fears God. He is a man who shuns evil. Job is a sinner saved by grace, a righteous man who lived by his faith in God. A Christian. Yeah, that's who Job was. A Christian before believers were called Christians, but one who is accepted and forgiven by God through the power of the perfect sacrifice that would be made by Jesus on the cross. Job, a man who is about to suffer, who through his suffering continued against all the odds to trust in the Lord. A few questions before we finish. Questions for us to ask and for us to answer. Here's the first one. Are you a Christian? Well, are you? If not, why not? The offer is there. Forgiveness from God through the power of the cross. Are you struggling as a believer? Well, the answer might well be yes. So, there's another question. If so, are you trusting in the Lord? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together around your word. And as we look at this book of Job, speak to us through it. Speak to us in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Whether we are those who need to be comforted, we ask that you comfort us. And for those of us who might be called to comfort those who are suffering, that you might teach us how to bring that promise from you that will guarantee you being with those who suffer. Father, we bring these things before you now, and we bring them in the name of Jesus. Amen.